There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. I'm not very good in game ones, everybody. Welcome one, welcome all. On a world spinning its way to damnation amidst the fear and despair of a broken human race who's left to fight for what's good and pure. The secret professor of Handkerchief Dynasty. And the emotional support robot team. How you doing, robots? Yeah, I don't know what that means, but uh, it sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just confess by way of introductory remarks. I, I can't handle game one of the playoffs. I mean, I've been trying to prepare for it for the last let's say 90 days i've basically been ignoring the end of the regular season entirely in anticipation of game one of the nhl playoffs you know i knew a long time ago i wasn't prepared i knew a long time ago that my standard modus ap- up my modus operandi modus operandi randi operandi uh you know standard operating procedure what i do come habitude is i have a uh an intense psychological psychosexual astral plane experience where my mind leaves my body and i'm just like no i can't i'm not going to deal with reality i mean the hard part is over everybody i've spent the last three months dreading the start of the playoffs knowing that i wasn't prepared for game one and now game one's over and you know what i'm not even going to criticize the team because like i'm not i'm I'm nowhere near prepared for game one how how could i criticize them I mean, you know, it was a close game. Close but no cigar. I think we all know from bitter experience that close but no cigar is is kind of the the death knell of the uh, playoff team. I mean, with uh, officiating being what it is and other various factors, you can't really be close. And we all knew LA was going to be a tough team. We all kind of, it's kind of funny how for the months leading up to the playoffs we all were secretly hoping we wouldn't have to play la in the first la in the first round that was clearly what we were all cheering for um even though it seemed inevitable we were all hoping oh maybe maybe we won't play la in the first round that'll be good right we don't want la we don't want la and then when we drew la we all just immediately pretended like we we were fine with it There was no problem oh we're not worried about la i mean yeah we were just cheering to not play la in the first round for the last three months but like now i mean like whatever we're playing really well right it's like no la has our number guys i don't know about you but i've been getting like 12 to 15 extra large pizzas with extra cheese and all kinds of various toppings and dips delivered to my house for a long time because the la kings have our number everybody collectively i mean Maybe that's putting it a little too strongly. They don't have our number, but they've had our number. And you know Coach McClellan and those guys have been just like sitting there whittling, sharpening up their ideas for how to like take it to the Oilers. Like, let's not pretend like L.A. was not going to be a challenge. But, you know, it's it's game one. And like now that the the crest of the wave has broken and we can all just forget about and turn the page on the first, the frisson of excitement and anticipation and fear and dread and loathing and wonderment, of game one it's you know now game two is officially a fucking huge game and the good news is now the oilers have their revenge meter built up like what happened in game one clearly gave them enough revenge meter so now they can use like at least if not their super then their ultra if they can get a good combo going um playoffs is is always tight man and like the 
we're gonna have to really bring it to them uh in the next game it's gonna be really intense i'm so relieved game one is over though oh my god like we have to win game two obviously so it's actually almost in some ways as stressful but really not it's you think it would be as stressful you think it'd be more stressful i mean statistically mathematically it should be more stressful but for me it's like eh, you know now the game one's over it's like this thing that i've been like waiting for like the fucking carthaginian invasions of hannibal across the alps into lombardy you know that you knew was coming you're like you know i mean i know you guys are all focused on like these games against uh the anaheim ducks but like you know you know the the carthaginians are moving through iberia you know it right i mean they've sworn they've sworn vengeance against rome like they're sitting around just like declaring their hatred for the roman republic and why not i mean you know can't really blame them i mean rome i mean don't even get me started it's a mixed legacy folks I don't see why we have to worship ancient Rome as though like they were automatically better than everyone around them at the time, as though the world isn't just an interchange of cultures and exchanges in like really like a globalized kind of context, even from like the beginning of history. I mean, we think that we live in a globalized world right now, but I mean, you tell me. So yeah, I mean, it's like now that game one is over, it's like, okay, well, you know, they've made it across the Alps. They got a, the LA Kings have a couple of elephants left. Coach Toad, who I'm guess I'm I guess I'm casting as the brave and legendary Carthaginian general Hannibal, um, not to be confused with the Anthony Hopkins character from the Sons of the Lambs movies. Um, although you know, Brian Cox did a pretty good job playing Hannibal Lecter. He was the first person to put that on screen, and he's he's in the news right now with Succession. Season four of Succession is getting a lot of play because I mean, like let's be honest, it's uh, clearly one of the best shows in the last five years or more and brian cox is amazing in it and like if you're just now appreciating the fucking majesty of brian cox the scottish actor let me check here no i, I don't know i'm pretty sure he's scottish um you know he he's amazing in succession but he's also really fantastic in um all kinds of other stuff he's really great in season three of deadwood as uh mr langriche the uh traveling troubadour theater man slash storyteller kind of like a pre-modern bard 19th century bard there really is one of the one of the things i'm obsessed with deadwood right now folks and we'll talk about hockey again in a second here but like if you haven't watched deadwood okay it's a really salty it's got a very very hard edge and it really embraces having a hard edge so that can probably be a little bit much for people but besides that it's hands down one of my favorite shows and so interesting and so unique and so you know it's not derivative of really anything i mean it's inspired by the subject matter and it's of course got historical elements as well but it really has this attitude saying it's got this attitude it's so unique of really trying to embrace the idea of like approaching the historical context on its own terms and not shying away from being honest about you know how kind of fucking cutthroat it was, how fucking racist people were, how abusive. I mean, it's it's so weird to watch a show where it's like, okay, this is like main character. And like the first episode, you see him like with like his foot on someone's throat. And then like by the end, but like pretty soon after you're just like, he's an anti-hero and you're like, oh, I'm cheering for this guy. It's like, how do, how do they pull that off? I mean, like this guy should be like a monster. Yeah, man, Deadwood. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to watch Deadwood until game two. And I'm going to watch game two. I'm not really going to criticize the team. I feel I feel bad that like the guys have to fucking answer questions after a really disappointing kind of gut wrenching game one loss like that. I wish it just didn't have to happen. Uh, I know that's a weird thing to wish for. I mean, obviously, I I listen to the post games and uh, I follow the news very closely, so of course I enjoy the news as like a product. But I feel I do feel conflicted in a way. It's kind of like if uh, you know I was getting news from the 
Roman legionnaires and scouts in Iberia, and they were saying, hey, man, like, uh, Hannibal's fucking shit up here, and all these people are dying, and, like, uh, they're killing all the animals and burning and salting the fields. On the one hand, I'd be like, well, I'm glad I know. That's very informative and germane to, uh, you know, my life, my interests, what I think about. But on the other hand, I, I just kind of wish it didn't have to happen because it's kind of fucked up. But I guess I'm just a fan. I guess I'm just a fan. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. I, that's really all I got, folks. I mean, nobody fucking finished their midterm projects. I mean, like, I know I'm a secret professor, but that doesn't mean you can all just fucking issue your scholastic responsibilities like this. And don't even make me repeat what the assignments were. Just know that if you do slide them under my office door after about 11.30, 12 p.m., you know, Monday to Saturday, and, and as you're depositing the essay, you know, if you do hear someone someone weeping, kind of like a, like a yapping, kind of like yelping, kind of half quiet, half, half kind of a squeaky cry, having a big sob, that's not a person that's in there. That's just, my office makes that sound on its own sometimes. It's like one of those like house sounds, but in like an office, in like a university building at the secret university. By the way, has, has anyone been giving out the location of the secret university? Because that could be a really big problem here. Like we are not an accredited institution, okay? Like, let me just point that out first off, top line. So we got to be careful here, folks. I mean, like, we got about as much uh, academic credibility as Jordan B. Peterson at this point. Um, and I'll be honest, like, we, we used to share the office. Okay, this is, you know, tell, this is a little inside baseball. But we used to share an office space, the secret university, with the, uh, the Morag Tong, the uh, legendary Assassin's Guild based out of Morrowind, as uh, foretold and described in the Elder Scrolls of the uh, various video game legends. But then someone fucking gave it out. They were like, oh, someone was like, psst, 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 hey, this is where this is where you get into the, this is the entrance to the Morag Tong Assassin's Guild. <gasps> oh, really? And then like, all of a sudden we had these people in the lobby, you know, they're using the water cooler, they're using the bathroom, they're asking for directions. It's like, motherfucker, I put up a sign saying, don't ask me directions. This is a secret place. You know, I can't even tell them it's a secret university because then the cat's out of the bag. So anyways, nobody give out the address. Nobody criticized the Oilers for the loss in game one that much. It's all just move on and turn the page. Game two's huge, obviously. I mean, really at this point, game two could determine whether that's me knocking on wood. The Oilers use their revenge meter and land a wicked combo, which we all know they can do. They're a great team and they can bring it together. And they kind of coasted through the end of the regular season. So it's it's kind of good that they got a little bit of adversity early on because... That's going to that's gonna mean there's going to be fire in their hearts again now, as opposed to, I mean, I don't know about you, but was there fire in your heart watching those games against Anaheim? I mean, uh, Chris? Kobe? Kobe, my man? I have no fire. I, mean, I have no matches. I see you have any matches. I have no matches. I, I, I stopped smoking. If I knew. I mean, father, you smoke? When you just make it to matches, matches? When we need some fire, we... I'm going to die. Yeah, so anyways, let's all just take a chill pill, 
We're going to defer all the academic credits on the midterm assignments until the next uh, celestial equinox, whatever that is. I don't know, what is that, like 24 to 29 months? Are we on uh, the 28-hour day, like a deep, deep Space Nine time? Yeah, okay. So just don't worry. Just take a chill pill, watch some episodes of Deadwood. You know, there's so much vulgarity and intensity, and it's so kind of over the top and, and so kind of indecipherable. It's like reading Shakespeare for the first time, and you're like, oh, man, like, what the fuck am I doing here? Why? Why is this what is happening and, you know, I, I understand that's what it's like when you read Shakespeare for the first time. But if you're lucky enough to get acclimated, if you're lucky enough to make it through the farm system of the AHL, where, you know, you start with the sonnets and you work, work your way up to, you know, understanding iambic and the Renaissance influences and, you know, the difference in, differences between tragedies and histories and comedies. And like how, you know, in the first line of fucking Romeo and Juliet, someone's like, ask someone else if he bit his thumb at him. And it's like, well, uh, I mean, I, what does that mean? It's like an insult. Okay, fine. Really, the, the, the bottom line here, folks, is the onboarding for Shakespeare and possibly the onboarding for the, the NHL playoffs this year is good footnotes. You want really, really good footnotes. Like that uh, penalty against DeHarnay in the overtime, there's got to be a good footnote written about that one. Um, I feel like the Bouchard goal... It was like almost like so beautiful that it kind of like blinded us all a little bit too. It's like Bouchard is like blinding like the sun. He's like an Alexander the Great type figure, you know? And when he scores such a fucking savvy goal like that, and when, you know, Dry puts up to, uh, I mean, like, you know, we hadn't really lost a game in like forever. So, you know, it's good. We got, we got kind of like uh, knocked back a little bit. We got the revenge meter up now. We don't like this team. They don't like us. We're better than them. I mean, we know they're better. We're better than them. They're playing a hell of a fucking shutdown kind of style on us, and uh, we're just gonna have to fucking like get it done. And as fans, we're just gonna have to fucking ride the wave, ride the waves of alienation. Okay, that's my advice to you. Um, yeah, let's do a song at the end here. I don't know. I haven't decided what it is yet. So uh, whatever it is, enjoy it. Bye bye.
Thank you.